Welcome to Do We Belong Here, a podcast dedicated to proving that everyone has a place in the world of cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to Do We Belong Here, a podcast dedicated to proving that everyone belongs in the world of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Tasha Denose, the Cyber Whisperer, and with me is my amazing co-host, Pam Lindemo, the Chief Information Security Officer Advisor at Cisco, as well as our producer, Serena Gandhi, the one responsible for the giggles you may hear in the background. Pam. How are you doing today? I missed you. I missed you. Every time we do this, I'm just, oh, it warms my heart to see you again. We should do more together. Like, seriously, I missed you. Let's just, let's just move closer to each other. Let's move into a complex, a housing complex, and we can Uh, all move our families here and have a wonderful time, right? Let's let's do it. I love it. I'm so excited about this show today, you guys. It's it's going to be so good. It's one of my favorite people. We are going to be speaking with Lauren Zabrick, Cybersecurity Project Executive Director at Harvard's Belfer Center. After taking a unique journey into the world of cybersecurity, Lauren has become a major force in diversity and inclusivity in the cybersecurity industry. Among a long list of achievements, she is one of the creators behind the Share the Mic in Cyber campaign which aims to deal with systemic issues and racism in cybersecurity. It's breaking down barriers through individual and collective action. Simply put, Lauren is the perfect example of someone who strives to make a difference in the cybersecurity world by making sure that everyone feels welcome. So welcome, Lauren, to our show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you, Pam, for having me. And um, I just want to thank you for such a wonderful introduction. It really means a lot to hear you say that. I'm glad because it it is all true. You have done some really great things and I'm so glad for everyone to learn about your journey. So tell us, how did you get here? All right. So as you mentioned, it's it's sort of a, a unique journey into the field, although I know for most people really, you know, the journey into cyber, um, you know, is is anything but linear. Um, I started my career in the military. I was an Air Force intelligence officer and commissioned just right after September 11th and um, spent a couple years in and then uh, I got out and then later went back into the intelligence community as a civilian because um, I've always, you know, really felt that call to serve um, and spent about six years in. Um, I, I uh, started in sort of a you know traditional office, but then I moved over to the Office of Counterterrorism, and you know we can unpack that later. You know, kind of what that all means and different experiences there. Um, but I was you know had the opportunity to deploy a number of times to Afghanistan to do a bunch of shift work and you know do some really uh, advanced analytic methodologies and and uh, really kind of high speed things in intelligence. And I really, really loved it. Um, but then my husband got a job up in Boston. And uh, after he had supported me through all of that, I figured, well, it's my turn to support you. So I guess I, I have to go. Um, and I really tried to stay with the government, I tried to work something out, and it just it didn't work out. And um, so I, I had to leave. At the same time, I had been going to Georgetown at night doing the security studies program, um, but I was only about halfway through after three years. 
because of all my deployments and, and shift work and yeah, things yeah. like that. So at the same time, I sort of said, I need to find a one-year program uh, so I can actually sort of maximize my my investment here, get some return on investment. Um, and I found the mid-career program at the Harvard Kennedy School is a one-year program. And I thought, all right, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to try to get in. I don't come from an Ivy League background. So um, I was absolutely thrilled when I got in, but I actually deferred a year because I also, I had joined this cybersecurity startup called Recorded Future. And um, I had no idea about anything having to do with cyber. But as hard as that was, you know, leaving DC, leaving all my friends, leaving that mission behind, and not only that, but coming up to Boston in the middle of the winter, um, mm-hmm. it was, <laughs> it was, it was a lot. But I'm so incredibly grateful for that experience. Not only to record a future and, and, you know, my old CEO, Christopher Alberg for, you know, taking a chance on me, but allowing me to learn and allowing me to really see the landscape, right? So this was early 2016 when I started and I got to see, you know, how businesses, both large and small, uh, state and local governments, what they're really dealing with in terms of cyber threats. And so um, when I eventually did go to the Harvard Kennedy School, because I I deferred a year, Um, I I was really interested in studying cyber policy, because I thought, you know, I I feel like we can we can do this better as a country. Um, And so I had that opportunity. And um, after I graduated, my then advisor, now boss, Eric Rosenbach, asked me to take over the project. And the person who had been here before was uh, Dr. Michael Solmeyer. He went on to be General Nakasone's advisor. He's now um, in the Pentagon. Yeah. So I I knew I had some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, And, you know, it was my first time in academia, but I knew it would be life-changing and it truly has been. So I'm, I'm so grateful and, you know, amazed really every day. I love it. You know, Lauren, I I got to tell you, first and foremost, I bet Tasha's going to say this too. Thank you for your service. Like, oh. <laughs> and and as a That's woman who, you. well, you're so humble. And like, I, there's some threads in what you said. You, like, your call to serve, you compromised for your family. Like, you, you were standing there with your husband and your return on investment, like you looked for something that fit within what you needed at the time. And then you left everything and everyone and you said it was worth it because of the growth that you received from that. And I hope like people are listening to you and they're hearing that because I can tell you that is impressive. Not only like how you got there, but all of those things that you said, that, that's so impressive. Like you should think spam. It, I'm, I am in awe of you, like, and you hold yourself so well, and you're just so humble. It's just amazing. Um, oh, it means but, a lot. Thank you. Well, I, I'd love to hear the story behind Share the Mic and the cyber campaign. Like, can you tell a little, a little more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll back up a little bit too, just to provide a little bit more context. Um, So I mentioned, you know, being in the intelligence community for over a decade and as a woman, right, in a very male dominated environment, which I know a lot of environments are male dominated, but, you know, as someone who, you know, deployed and was with always like a bunch of alpha males, right? Like you have to sort of 
you think you have to be a certain way, right, in order to sort of be accepted and get the mission done and things like that. So, you know, I I had taken this class at Georgetown while I was there, taught by my now friend and uh, recently retired Air Force Colonel, Dee Dee Halfhill. She had taught this class on women in leadership and national security. I'm not tell- kidding you when I say it changed my life because here I thought, you know, why why can't I ever sort of get ahead? Like I always felt like I was sort of banging my head against the wall. Like as much as I loved the work and I was, you know, having fun and I was so grateful to do it. There's just something there. I couldn't, didn't necessarily have the language to, to really describe it. Took this class and again, changed my life and and sort of gave me that context um, to understand that not only, um, you know, do I have certain skills and attributes to bring to the table, but I belong at the table, right? Mm. It's not just a, you know, a, a, a coincidence or a twist of fate that I'm there, right? Like, and and that lesson, that you know, as the the title of this podcast is, do we belong, right? That is such a huge thing to hear. And I'll, I'll deviate for just a second. It, you know, when I got to the Kennedy School, again, I had no Ivy League background at all. And I remember I had just had a baby and I was like late for orientation. And, you know, I'm like carrying all my pumping equipment and I'm just like ready just to like, you know, like gotta, what am I doing here? And I look up in the forum, there's this huge sign that says you belong here. You are HKS. And I was like, that just made me feel so better. So uh, going back to this, this sort of story. So I, I started to see the world or to understand diversity, but more through a gender equity lens. Cause again, that was, that had been my, my lived experience. Of course, coming to the Kennedy school and sort of getting out of that bubble that is government and meeting more people, reading more books. You know, I, I had read um, the book by Brian Stevenson, just mercy and that just completely, you know, pulled back the curtain on so many things in society, things that you, you just sort of take as as maybe a truth that isn't the truth, right? And and pulling back the um, you know the curtains on things and saying, oh, this is how it is because of the way society is built, right? So having that in mind, and then um, so when Share the Mic and Cyber started, this was um, spring of 2020 uh, or, or summer of 2020, and I'd been in this job for about a year. And I knew that I had a platform. Now, things had just kind of shut down with the pandemic. We were really forced to pay attention to what was actually happening in our country. And at the same time, we had witnessed the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And, you know, of course, on top of just far, far, far too many people um, unjustly. And um, I remember thinking, I have this platform, I have a responsibility to do something because I can do something. And, um, and I, I had written about this. And then all of a sudden, um, <laughs> I was very pregnant. And I was, I was sitting on the couch scrolling through Instagram. And I saw the Share the Mic Now campaign, which was really focused on uplifting black women in entertainment and politics. And I don't know when you get an idea, and it, you just sort of feel that surge throughout. And you're like, oh, this could really work in cyber and national security. And so I, I messaged a friend and, and, you know, she, she was like, yeah, that would be really interesting. And then 
and and this is kind of where this this whole idea of fate and serendipity comes in. But I saw that on Twitter, Camille Stewart, my my co-founder, I did not know Camille at all. I had never heard of her. I certainly wasn't following her on Twitter or anything like that. Um, but I saw that she tweeted about the same thing. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So I, I slid into her DMs. And, um, you know, she obviously immediately responded. And then we just started texting each other. And within weeks, we had put together the first Share the Mic in Cyber campaign. And that was, um, I think, June 26 of 2020. So, um, so yeah, just kind of a, an interesting way that it came about. Tasha, I don't think anybody can hear our heads nodding up and down the whole time she's yeah. talking. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, and you want to go like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, then you I don't want to overshadow the story. It's so good. It's so good. It's yeah. so many layers of goodness it, from um, the belonging. You know what I mean? Like, it's so, It's it may sound so cliche, the feeling of belonging, but it's the title of this podcast for so many reasons because you feel like that and you can feel like that in like so many different circles and just seeing a sign like you did is literally just a sign inside of yourself like right. the universe saying hey chill out yeah it's okay yeah. you're a mom you got a new baby and you're dealing with all kinds of stuff in a new place and yeah you belong here at home. exactly and it it was it was just like you said, it was a sign and it just took so much weight off of, of me. And, and, you know, I was having a conversation with someone with, a uh, this woman, Christina Marillo, who's, she's come on, um, you know, with share the mic and cyber to help out. Um, she said something really profound and that's, you know, the sense of belonging when you have that you want, or you're able to give a hundred percent of yourself to this mission, this mission that is extremely important with, you know, threat landscape that's constantly changing. But if you're, if you don't feel that sense, then you're not going to get a hundred percent out of people. And I just was like, that was a huge light bulb in my head too. Yes, you know, so it's, I think it's one thing to, to think something, to feel something, but to actually act on it, like that's impressive. <laughs> like I'm very, um, I, I love people who, have an idea and go for it and do it and, and evoke change in the world. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing, like oh, pat on your back for the, the, <laughs> the good works you're doing. Okay, I will say as a person that has been a part of the campaign and seen what it's done. So I'm a part of black girls in cyber and our founder actually was a swapped with. So the whole point first, Lauren, tell people what share the mic and cyber does. And then I'll say that. <laughs> so, so people can understand what happens with share the mic and cyber. Yeah. It's at its core. It's a, it's an online campaign, right? So we pick a day and we have allies from well-represented backgrounds, share their platforms, whether that's Twitter or LinkedIn, with a black cyber professional to uplift their voice, to highlight them as the experts in the fields that they are. Cause typically, you know, you, you know, there hasn't been as much recognition there for, for your community. And, 
Um, and so obviously because we're in cyber, we're not sharing credentials. We're just, you know, we're pre sort of loading, um, you know, the content. And um, so that that's what it is at its core. Um, we also try to wrap each campaign around a specific theme. This year's theme is on belonging and things like psychological safety. Um, so this this podcast is is timely and very relevant. Um, but then also we've had a number of things sort of spin out from it. So out of the first one was a scholarship that was really created by um, Rachel Toback and her partner, uh, Najla Lindsay, and um, that is with the women in uh, security and privacy. So that money is there for anyone in the Share the Mic and Cyber community to say, you know what, I need to, to take a, cl- a class or I need to get this certification. And then th- those funds are there. Other things like the Making Space Pledge um, and Cyberbase, which are both housed at the um, the R Street Institute. They were started by Tatiana Bolton, um, who has uh, moved on to Google. Um, uh, and... And also the Share the Mic and Cyber Fellowship um, that we're building at New America. So there's there's a lot of things that have come out of it very organically, which is pretty amazing. But yes, at its core, it's a it's a one day campaign. I um, mean, we try to do some things before, um, whether they're events or podcasts or uh, written pieces and things like that. At the same time, we do have. Um, even more, um, you know, we try to get some very high-profile people to participate. Last year, uh, CISA Director Jen Easterly participated, NSA Cyber Director Rob Joyce participated, and they're scheduled to, pers- to participate again. Um, trying to get some other people as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so lots of different things happening. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, and I think for the last one, we had about 100 million Twitter impressions. So that just means it's getting to more eyes, which is, I think, amazing. Yes. When you said the NSA director, he actually swapped with the founder of Black Girls in Cyber, which gave us an opportunity to have a seat at the table. So we went to NSA and were treated like royalty for a day. And where that. that relationship is still going due to that. So there's so many opportunities, like when you're saying like organically, building something and then more things coming out of because I believe good only what is it commences to good like it only flourishes and and builds and and makes creates more good things so I I I love that what what is your end goal for share the mic and cyber what would you what if if you were done with it today what would you say you would be done on the day that you said that this happens think we'd be done on the day that we didn't have to extol the benefits of diversity in cybersecurity anymore. It wasn't even a question, right? Not only that, but organizations had the tools and the will and the ability to create diverse teams and also allow them to um, to really maximize their potential. And I say that, you know, within the context of our theme um, of belonging and, you know, because we've been talking about the importance and, and really the, the vital need for diversity in cybersecurity, because that is national security. Um, what I, I had read in a, a Harvard Business Review article this spring, and it, it kind of turned on another light bulb for me. Um, was that in order to really maximize the potential of 
a diverse team, you have to set the conditions. And one of those um, uh, enabling factors is psychological safety. You have to make sure that people trust each other and can speak up. Otherwise, you're, you're really not getting the most, um, you know, benefit out of that. And so I, you know, I worry that, you know, leaders might say, well, we tried it and it didn't work. Well, did we set the right conditions? Um, and, and in that, too, something that we're trying to explore is this idea that this isn't just on HR. This isn't just on, you know, people who have been othered, right? Every single person, whether it's a manager, a team member, um, you know, everyone has a role to play in this. I love that. I, I is there is there something you can like is there like a a tip or a trick like like something basic that the listeners can like employ to like think through that a little bit like I mean I can think of creative ways but this is this feels like your space do you have any yeah, so some of the things that, especially that particular Harvard Business School or sorry Harvard Business Review article mentioned. Or things like active listening, right? Create or curiosity and asking each other, really trying to build those connections and bring down those barriers through questions um, of each other. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, creating, you know, leaders creating these sorts of um, environments where not only are you sort of encouraged to speak up, but showing that it's important for you to speak up um, and and sort of, um, you know, creating the uh, expectations for doing so and framing. Uh, there's one, one thing that the article said, framing meetings as opportunities for information sharing or framing differences as a source of value. Um, so So you can see here that, you know, when I say that everyone on a team has a responsibility here, you can see how a manager or a leader has a certain role. And then uh, a team member, you know, no matter who has a certain role. So some of the questions this article goes into are, you know, asking things like, what are you, what do you want to accomplish? What are your hopes and goals? Um, what do you bring to the table? What are your own resources and skills? Or what are you personally or professionally up against? What are you worried about? Mm. What are some of those concerns and obstacles? And so Leading from curiosity and empathy is, um, I, I think, the first step in that. And that's, you know, listen, everyone's got their own baggage that they bring to a team and, and you know, working through your own personal, you know, roadblocks and personal, um, you know, goals and skills and things like that. So it's, it's you know, on everybody and it's a, a change that you have to make, but one that I think is incredibly important. Yeah, it's important. I love the fact that it's it's becomes a community issue and then a community responsibility. Everybody takes, you know, takes part in in fixing it together. And my favorite thing is the curiosity. Um I think everyone needs to be a little bit open with understanding people's perspective, you know? And so when the curiosity starts coming and the questions start getting asked, you become okay. Like it's okay. Ignorance is, should not be bliss. You know what I mean? But breaking through ignorance can be hard. So that's right. where, you know, asking questions. A lot of times people are scared to ask questions. They're scared to get that. So it's good that you said that, 
you know, leadership and management need to come from a place where they're making this an environment of curiosity. So everyone can ask questions. Everyone can feel a safe space once it starts down and it brings that energy in. So, you know, you break those barriers down. That is so awesome. That, I exactly. Love it. And, you know, look, I think we've all been in a situation where we're like, did I say the wrong thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? I'm going to, you know, you know, inadvertently offend someone. And that too is, you know, a, a need for that psychological safety. And I, I think they brought this up in the article. It might've been a different article, but you know, one of the, the examples that I've seen on this is creating an environment where you can speak up and ask questions, which is incredibly important. And the example that um, one particular resource used was that of the space shuttle challenger, right? When we don't speak up and ask questions and share our concerns and say, you know, this isn't going to work for whatever reason, then disasters can happen, wow. right? And that's obviously like a very extreme and very tragic example. But when we look at our industry like cybersecurity, where, you know, a lot of times, right, public safety and health is is um, on the line here and, and the threat landscape is always changing. So if we feel safe enough to to be able to, um, you know, ask each other questions and, you know, and, you know, not feel stupid or, you know, be able to bring our full selves to the problem, then I think we're going to have much better outcomes. I love it. You know, I, I think it's interesting how people ask questions and, you know, there's, there's this training that we, we do here at Cisco and, and some of the training, it talks about like the three things you should think about, like assume that people are creative, assume they are intelligent and assume they have good intent and I think that's mm. so beautiful. And I think that's exactly what you're saying, Lauren. And even you, Tasha, like, I think we're all saying the same thing. And I, I have to remind myself, like, when I'm in a hurry or when I have to get something done, you know, to kind of stop and make sure that I'm thinking of those things. And it's really a conscious effort. And we're all busy. And I... I I absolutely just talked to somebody yesterday who, who came to me and was like, I am so sorry for what I said at the last meeting. I'm like, what'd you say? I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know that you offended me. It. Like, right. And I, I, and I had to check myself. I'm like, Oh, should I have been offended? Like, you know, I'm constantly in my head checking myself. I don't know if it was you, Tasha or you, Lauren, that said that, but I, I worry about offending people. And I really I do have good intent. I would never want to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too. To the you know where I mentioned everyone sort of brings their baggage, you know, and their their own sort of issues to the table. Yes. I look, my inner critic is really mean, you know. So yeah, I'm like constantly, oh my gosh, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do something stupid? And yeah. to that point too, I want to make a recommendation for anyone listening. Um, there's a book called Playing Big by Tara Moore, and it's all about, you know, especially for women, finding and using your voice to really change the world. Um, and it talks about things like your inner critic too. So definitely recommend it. I, I'm on my second reading of it. So I, it's, oh, it's wow. really helpful. <laughs> As, and are there any tips with the inner critic, like how you can deal with that? Cause that, that, I think that helps just for everyone on both sides, because you have this inner critic of, I shouldn't ask that question. 
you know, and then that stops the curiosity. And then you have this inner critic of, I should be upset when they ask, when someone does ask the question, you know, so it's happening on both sides. Were there any tips that you had, um, picked up in your second reading (laughs) on how to, (laughs) how Um, to calm the critic? Yeah. You know, I'll be honest off the top of my head, I'm, I'm completely going to blank on all of these and, and not going to do it justice, but I do sort of remember, um, you know, talking sort of to your own critic and, and, you know, in a way that's very kind. And mm. so that, you know, cause that, that voice is really out of fear, right? Cause we're, that's how we're conditioned just as humans. And of course, in the way that we grow up, Um, and then, you know, trying to, yeah, trying to show yourself the same sort of empathy and kindness that you would want to show other people and starting from there. And, um, you know, I just think anything from the perspective of wanting to create even more connection, I hope is, is very, um, you know, well received. Right. And especially now after the pandemic, right, there's we have to do this even more. We have to be way more intentional about it because of all that connection that we've lost. Wowza. I love that. Being intentional about making connection is so key. And I think that's like one of the biggest parts of Share the Mic and Cyber that has, you know, intentionally pairing people together, intentionally making change by building different connections with people. I think that is fantastic. What, what, what would you like, like, what would you like to see next with Share the Mic and Cyber? I I see, I know there's a lots of different things. Well, you know what, I'm going to take Share the Mic and Cyber out. What is next for you? Um, I can't really say anything publicly yet. We need, what do they say in like entertainment? They're like, Oh, we're going to get an exclusive here. <laughs> We've got the exclusive scoop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right now I'm actually acting as the executive director for the entire Belfer center for a couple months while our normal ED is on maternity leave. After that, I will be heading out, moving on. Um, you know, my boss, you know, he's very, he's someone who's very much like, come here, do some interesting work, build your platform, and then go back out and do something, you know, in the world, right? Um, I love so, him. I love him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's great. And speaking of someone who's very intentional about these things, um, so that's the plan. Uh, more to follow because I, I, you know, still have to officially kind of do the final, you know, signing of, of all the things. So, but I'm very excited. Um, so that's what's on the horizon for me. Um, as for Share the Mic and Cyber, listen, this is an all-volunteer effort. Uh, it's just a handful of us working on it on top of our day jobs and on top of our family lives and things like that. So someday I would love to see this actually turn into a nonprofit with actual staff. (laughs) Um, At the same time, as I mentioned, we are building a fellowship at New America, the think tank there. And so um, we've recently closed the applications for our first cohort and we'll be selecting um, the first cohort very soon. And so really, really, really excited to see, you know, that first group of people and what they actually do and sort of how that all goes forward. So really excited. 
Oh, wonderful. I, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, we've learned so much about you and about the campaign. And I think, I think I know the people listening have learned things about how they can better themselves, how they can connect with each other. Do you have anything signing last words to, to tell the people some, some, some tidbits, something you want them to know? Yeah. So as I mentioned, the uh, next campaign is going to be Friday, October 21st. So mark that in your calendars. Um, follow the hashtag share the mic and cyber, obviously all one word. Um, very soon we'll be, you know, we're obviously working very hard behind the scenes to um, pair people up to, you know, get sort of the, the, uh, high profile people to, you know, get some events and, and some written pieces sort of, you know, all worked out and, and, you know, all the things down to like graphics and, and instructions and things like that. So a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, but we'll be coming out with more information soon. Um, so that you can follow along. Uh, we'll have a Twitter list of people. Um, we'll have, you know, uh, Graphics, I think we'll be doing, I don't know, we'll, we'll try to do some things on the day of, too, to really, you know, generate that buzz. Um, but you can follow our uh, handle itself, which is at Sharon Cyber. You can follow me, LZXDC, um, and a couple of other, uh, I can't say them off the top of my head. I apologize, all the other handles that you could follow. But really, it's the hashtag share the mic in cyber. Um, uh, hashtag that day. And then really what we would love from people is amplification. That is the, the huge thing because we want people to see it. We want this to, you know, get even more reach to people and, and, you know, highlight expertise and elevate voices so that people across the world can see. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, more good things will come out of it for the people who participate. I love it. It's not hopefully good things will come. I, I, I thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us. I really appreciate, you know, you sharing your story. I know the listeners do. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I want to first thank you all for listening, as always. Thank you so much, my co-host, Pam Lindemone. Thank you to our guest again, Lauren. And remember... Rate, review, subscribe. Do we belong? Do we belong here? And you can find us at social media. Do you? Do we belong? Pod. I'm Tasha Denos. Thank you for listening. Pam, can you tell the listeners what we're thinking? I can, and it's really great to have Lauren's voice today. She has amplified us, so I'm going to amplify her. And we belong here in the cyber world. We do. We do. Thank you all. And we will be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Do We Belong Here podcast produced by Cyber Florida. To learn more about the show, visit cyberflorida.org or connect with us on social media at Do We Belong Pod.